In preparation for uh, today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. That's Galatians, chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them in that portion of Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let's all rise in reverence to the Word of God. Galatians 5, 7-12 You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Thank you for all of you who prayed for me with my left eye issue. And uh, my left eye was healed from that initial scratch I made, but another one came out, so please continue to pray for me. Uh, God is good. We are now in chapter 5, or continuing continuing chapter 5 of Galatians, and it is such a pleasure to hear the stories of some of us, and the appreciation goes to the Word of God, how it was written. The beauty it shows, especially when we study it line by line within the context of its history and the context of its literature. And uh, we always emphasize that since Paul instructed Timothy, for example, to study. And he also said to Timothy in another part, all scripture is inspired by God. That's why in our church community, we value the reading of all scripture, meaning to read through the Bible. And um, if you are new here, we'd encourage you to be part of us. And sometimes some of the growth groups, that's how they start. They just gather together to do a Bible reading, just to finish. Not just memorizing a few verses here and there, and you think you know the Bible already, but really reading through it. And then after that, or with that, is the studying of the context, to bring out the meaning of the author rather than to put our own meaning there. Of course, we have to try to translate what it means to us in the 21st century and in our own very context right here. However, the first part is to know what the Bible says and then to know what the author meant. There's the what it says and there's the meaning of it. And therefore, and that's what we wrestle with. And um, every Sunday, after wrestling with the text, we deliver to you the Word of God, what it says, and through study, we share to you what it means. And then we will discuss, or we give persuasions on how we may apply it in our lives today. The title of today's sermon is Confidence with Warning, based on Galatians chapter 5, Verses 7 to 12, Paul expressed hope that the Galatians would choose the right point of view. Although his dismay could still be felt, 
he would point out that a little leaven or a little wrong teaching can grow to dangerous levels, leading to severance from God's grace. Moreover, those who hinder people from believing the gospel, or should I say a gospel without distortions, will suffer the penalty, which is the curse he mentioned in chapter 1. Paul would then address a piece of wrong information about him, and he sarcastically asked why he was still being persecuted if he preached circumcision, and in strong words, he revealed his wish that those who disturb the Galatians would become emasculated. Really, that's the word. I looked it up several times, and uh, I tried to read the different points of view here. It's really emasculated. That was his wish. Although the Latin translators or scholars believe that it's really a figurative meaning to separate themselves from the church. And another point of view would be to lose their potency to influence. Um, I, I think uh, all are valid, but we cannot discount the fact that he was really distressed and dismayed, and you could feel it's consistent with the tone of his writing that these who disturb, who preach another gospel, or not really another gospel, but added a feature where it is not, we are not just justified by faith, but you add something else, and they added works, and specifically they added circumcision, which represented the whole law. And just by adding that, Paul was disturbed. And he was saying, whoever preaches another gospel or adds anything to it, let this person be accursed. And then uh, he addressed what they should believe. He was concerned. Does Paul love the people he wrote to? Of course he did. He sacrificed for them. He gave time for them. But what was his main concern? His main concern is that they believe the right teaching. Because if they don't, they could be or would be severed from the grace of God. In fact, he would say that he who believes that uh, uh, it's not just it's not simply justified by faith that this person is separated and this person is cursed. We could feel that his deep concern is that they would be sure about what they believe. And that's what we emphasize as well, that doctrine or teaching is important. We cannot just say, it's all the same thing. It all leads to God. All fellowships are the same thing. They belong. They belong to a certain fellowship. We do, and we all belong. Friends, the Judaizers belong to the Jerusalem church. And yet they came and tried to discredit Paul, the apostle, and what he was teaching. There could be a transition point where they truly believe that one is saved and become part of the people of God through circumcision, just like the story in Genesis or in the Torah, but Paul was saying that that was fulfilled by Christ. It is not the ceremonies of the law that saves, but faith in him and faith in the gospel. When we say gospel, it is about the person and work of Christ. 
Who is Christ? And you would see that Paul in Romans 1, in 1 Corinthians 15, in other parts of Scripture, would really define who Christ is. He's son of David. He is this. He rose again from the dead. Yet he is, he is from God the Father. He would make it so clear who Christ is. So the person of Christ, and for us in the New Testament, he is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one that had to be sacrificed, one who had no sin, an innocent, would take our place that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the person of Christ and also what he did. And we have to understand his work. And it was a wonderful time with you in the book of Hebrews when we studied the work of Christ and how the Old Testament shadowed the things that Christ did, and it gave us importance and relevance. So, brothers and sisters, fathers, parents, I say to you, I say to us, it is important that we check and double-check that we truly believe in the accurate gospel as revealed in Scripture. Not only ourselves, but also our children. It's something that in the New Testament they kept repeating because it was so important. And even today in our church community, although we do preach in practical Christian living and we love it as well, the wisdom from Proverbs, it's something that we truly enjoy to grow in wisdom and knowledge. Yet, we should say most importantly, more than practical Christian living, the center should be the clear understanding of what the gospel is. You'll be surprised if I ask you what is the gospel. Not everybody can answer quite well. If you ask yourselves what is the gospel, some of you will be surprised. You're a loss of words because you cannot articulate it and that is the thing that is necessary. Now, because you're still alive and will still be alive tomorrow, hopefully, by God's grace. Amen, we're alive. Amen. But we don't know really when we're going to go. We don't know. The, the weirdest things happen on earth, right? About some people, like during World War II, there were stories that there were those who were at the front of the battle with so many bullets they dodged, they still never, never were scratched, still alive. And there's somebody just delivering potatoes from one kitchen to another, got hit and died, not even in the forefront. And sometimes we just don't know. Well, I will pray, and I pray that all of us make it home after the service. Amen. But if ever you go, remember the thief on the cross, it was his faith. He believed. In the Son of God and the Lord Jesus said today you will be with me in paradise he just believed him although of course if he lived the disciples would have to teach him hey I want you to understand justification is by faith alone all right but but he didn't live on so praise God he believed right so of course if somebody's dying you tell them about the gospel of Christ and tell them to repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done not in religion with no addition because if you add something there that we are saved through Christ plus the mother of God oh boy 
you've added something. Nothing should be added. Like as Paul guarded it, nothing. What's so wrong about circumcision? Well, Paul said, well, it counts for nothing, circumcision or uncircumcision. It doesn't matter. But it matters when you say one is saved or one becomes righteous through faith and another thing. Faith in Christ and another thing. That's when it becomes false teaching. And sometimes little additions. We, we, we try. You know, some people ask me, okay, so I, I've been... I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, we were trained how to preach the gospel this way. You know, God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for you. And you know, we're all sinners. And then he can save us, because all your problems, he will be there with you on the positive side. And then to be saved, you know what? You, all you need to do is accept him as Lord and Savior. And how do you do that? Follow this prayer after me. Now... I like to ask, that's kind of very thin borderline to adding something, how does a person get saved? Well, forgiveness is through repentance and justification is by faith alone. And I, I, isn't it safer that we proclaim the gospel exactly as it was revealed in scripture? Isn't it safer? To be doctrinally faithful rather than risking and emphasizing something else. Pushing for something else because this is the thing that will save them. No, no. First of all, it is the Lord who saves. Our work is to proclaim the gospel and call people to repentance and faith. There is no closing the deal. It's not like sales. If you sign here. No, sales, you have to close it. You have to make them sign something. And sometimes gospel presentation has been like that. Or something else, like if you belong to our religion, you see, faith in the Lord and our religion, or our church, you shall be saved. Now, when you just add that one thing, just that one thing, faith in Him plus this, that becomes false teaching. Now, first point, a little leaven. Paul asked a probing question. Who stopped you from obeying the gospel? Such was not from God. Well, the, the translation is the truth. Paul warned that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough, meaning a little false teaching or false teachings can grow to more enormous proportions like bread. Let's read verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, it's just like, who hindered you? It's like that kind of tone. Who stopped you? Well, another way of looking at it is, he really wants to know who this person is. It's kind of like when your pastor asks you, who said that to you, <laughs> right? Where did you hear that from, all right? We have to know where that came from. Because a little leaven, a little dangerous teaching, a little negative thing planted on the head can become so large. 
A little gossip about somebody planted in the mind because somebody's hurt and looking for uh, a group that will sympathize, but also people who will hate that other person. Such is the danger of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. It spreads. So Paul was saying, who? But this context is more in false teaching. Who hindered you from obeying the, tr the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Thus, the Galatian believers should reject false teaching and watch even for the most minor kind. Such false teachings are not from God. There is freedom in believing in the gospel, but slavery to any other teaching. But here's the funny thing. Now, when you preach a more, you try, you try, as, as revealed in scripture, to preach a more accurate gospel, and, uh, and Christian tradition in the last 100 years, take note, some of it is just the last 100 years, but before that, a lot of them preach repentance and faith. But then, uh, now this seems to be the truth, and then yours seems to be off. You seem to be the one off when you're the one preaching repentance and faith and not adding anything to it. And calling people to follow him. At least those words Jesus used, follow me. Repent, believe. They're interchangeable as long as you understand that if you use belief based on John 3.16, do not stop reading and continue to read verse 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. The context is that if you believe, you turn away from wicked deeds. Means there is repentance there. So they are interchangeable in a manner of speaking. So every little thing we have to take a position and stand on it. Now, the problem is if we're too welcoming. Or maybe the Galatians said, oh, these Judaizers came from James. Oh, they came from that church in Jerusalem. We should welcome them. So I'd like to encourage you, even if we invite speakers here, we encourage you to treat them the way you would treat us, which is what? How did I tell you to treat us? To check every word we say. Every teaching we say, you look at the background of Scripture. If you don't have time yet, you go home and check the background. There's a library downstairs. There are several commentaries there that we can look into. There's a Bible dictionary there. There's an Old Testament, New Testament survey there. There are some things we can check and double check and triple check. Is it accurate? And there's nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, you are more honorable, as Paul said to the Bereans. These are more honorable because the Bereans double checked what Paul was teaching based on Scripture. And, that, and that's the journey we want to take. That's a journey we want to take from just simply reading the scriptures and then more often slowly analyzing it and slowly grounding us ourselves in the truth. And we grow. When I first came here and I was appointed by you, the congregation, as a member, gathered as a membership committee or, or uh, the annual gathering, nominated and, and affirmed by the congregation to be the pastor here. Um, one of the things I, I prayed for and dreamed about was when I would be preaching to that people would really take notes and study. You know? And as time goes went by, 
uh, it's an encouraging thing to see more and more really taking notes and really looking through what scripture says and then feeling and seeing the beauty of it. It's not just like, oh, I'm so bored studying scripture. No, the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes and you see the beauty of it, the line by line beauty of it and how it affects your faith. Now, but Paul was confident as well that the Galatians will believe what he was teaching or he was urging them to believe by showing confidence but he also warned and the warning isn't new if we have started from chapter one the warning is consistent now Paul gave an encouraging statement he believed that the Galatian believers would take the proper perspective moreover Paul warned that those who taught a distorted gospel would bear the penalty verse 10 I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view now how important is point of view very according to Paul very important understand how to understand the gospel very important I mean truly understand not just some few memorized phrases okay, but truly understand by heart and live it oh I do believe in the verse that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved but it had to come from here, a genuine call from the Spirit, from deep within, calling, Lord, save me. Lord, thank you for saving me. Not a simple mumbo jumbo, follow after me, blah, 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 blah. And then preacher says, you are saved. Come on, really? Seriously, you see Peter doing that? In the book of Acts, did you see Paul do that? And Silas, and Barnabas, and John, and James. No, 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 no. Now he's saying, I have confidence you take no other view. Point of view is important. That's why after preaching, we have these small groups to discuss. And pray for one another. Sometimes growth groups just come together so they can encourage one another. And that is fantastic. But a growth group must grow from just encouraging one another. And helping one another to build each other. Take note each other. Okay, we help one another so that no one becomes a parasite. Just coming there for encouragement. Just coming there because you need the group. But also coming there to contribute to the group. And to the lives of the others as well. That's the culture we want to build. Now why do we have these groups? So what we have taught here, we have a second time. A second chance of discussing again. And then if you hear a brother or a sister a little bit off, then that's a good time. To a gathering among, hopefully you have developed as friends in Christ. But the friendship is secondary to the gospel. Take note that it is about the gospel, and then you are friends as well. And then you can gently correct one another how to present it or how to articulate it, which is very important. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. First, he was asking, who is the one troubling you? Of course, perhaps he doesn't know, perhaps he knows. Perhaps the who is troubling you is more of just a sarcastic statement. But he actually knows. 
Sometimes when I say that to you, who's telling you this? Who's telling you this? Actually, sometimes I know. <laughs> sometimes I know. Now, he will bear the penalty, whoever he is. God will judge all who teach a distorted gospel. According to Paul, they are cursed. And he repeated the warning, stating that they would bear the penalty. Let all believers heed the warning, heed the warning to preach the gospel as it is. Or the phrase we'd like to use, we don't need the phrase accurate because the gospel is the gospel. But sometimes we need it. It's just like today when we have to say the word, you have to be authentic. Because we, the, the world system uh, is really fake it till you make it. It's really uh, saying to people being insincere about are you coming? Yes, I'm coming. But in truth, you're not coming. You're lying actually. Now we have to use the word, are you authentic? We have to use authentic discipleship because so many are not telling the truth. So many are not being real and living in a facade, but the word authentic shouldn't be used and the word accurate shouldn't be used because the gospel is the gospel. But why do we use these things to differentiate from a distorted gospel? Possible distortions. Oh, so he will bear the penalty. There is a penalty. Third point, defense and wish. He had to defend himself. Paul seemed to address a rumor about him. He clarified that he does not preach circumcision. Otherwise, he would not experience any more persecution. Then revealed his wish that the false teachers would emasculate themselves. Now let's read verse 11 to see a more clear picture. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? So something he was addressing. And uh, we could surmise from here that there was a rumor that spread that actually Paul is okay with circumcision. You see, after discrediting him, perhaps some of them found it hard to discredit him. They put words in his mouth. Ever had that friend that's no longer your friend that put words in your mouth? What does that mean? Oh, uh, he said, she said this, but you never actually said it. Or twisted it a little bit. Oh, there, there's one in every church, right? Don't be that person. Pastor Ed said, careful now, if I say it. Make sure you quote me exactly the way I said it and exactly the way I meant it. Careful now. So Paul was saying, hey, if I still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? Now, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. The offense of the cross, what does that mean? The cross is offensive. The gospel is offensive. For some, it's so offensive because it's so simple to say that, what? Somebody can be saved by faith alone without doing good works, without earning our way to heaven? It's so simple, it's hard to believe. And most religions will say, no, you cannot be saved by faith alone. You need to earn it. Now, we're not against good works, but good works for us is a fruit 
a fruit of the faith we have in Him. We don't see our morality in our good works saving us. Because it's not us that will save us. It is only Him. So we have to just trust Him for our salvation. Now, it's an offense to some that you don't need circumcision in this context. That you don't need the law. It's an offense to some. On the flip side, although this was not being discussed here, this was discussed, Paul discussed this more on, on Romans, on those who, who think because the grace is there, we can excuse ourselves to sin. He will address it in the next few verses as a warning. Do not make your liberty as an excuse to do wrong or to sin. On the flip side, you say, you're saved anyway, therefore you can do anything you want. You can sin. Oh no, because if you're truly saved, you don't want to do these things. If you're truly justified by faith, you don't want to. Now, does that mean you will be tempted? Yes. Does that mean you might sin? Yes. It's nobody's perfect, but deep within your heart, it's no. Because that's the fruit of the faith in you. And then he will teach us, Paul will teach us, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And if you do walk in the Spirit, you will not do these things. You will not do the sinful things if we walk in the Spirit. And that will be some of the sermons in these next coming Sundays. Now, if I preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Forgive me, brothers and sisters, forgive us. Forgive your growth group leaders when sometimes we try to correct you. It is offensive sometimes. We try not to, but no matter what we do, it's still offensive. No matter how gentle we are, but sometimes we are guilty. We're not that gentle. We should be more gentle and forgive us. But one thing we have to expect in the preaching of the gospel, in the preaching of the word of God, it can be both encouraging and offending. And that's how the believer grows. Remember, it is the Father who cuts and prunes us. Without the pruning, there is no fruitfulness. One of the things that those who take care of trees must do is to prune dead branches. And sometimes even prune, branch, prune branches that are alive, alive, but does not contribute to the bearing of fruit. There's some things in our lives that need to be pruned. But some will take offense, and then they will create a story because they're offended against you because you try to correct them by the word of God, making you the bad person. But that's why I say to you, uh, in the book of Proverbs, do not easily believe the first one who speaks to you unless somebody else cross-examines and then some, some truth will come out of that. So Paul was saying, he sarcastically saying, hey, why am I still being persecuted if I promote per circumcision? I should have been accepted, right? The very Jews that I belong to, are my nation, I'm Jewish, they say, he said, not me, Paul. I'm Jewish and I'm a Pharisee, I'm a... I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. In Philippians, he said that these are all nothing to me. They're nothing to me. What matters is 
faith in Christ. So why am I still being persecuted? I should have been welcomed by my fellow Jewish people if I still preach circumcision. But no, I'm not welcomed. Remember, I'm just paraphrasing, okay? I'm trying to bring out the emotion that I sense is here. Now, the clincher of this sermon is verse 12. I wish those who unsettle you or disturb you would emasculate themselves. I think Brother Eddie used the word kapun. Kapunina nila ang sarili nila. Okay. You see, we appreciate that because it's in our own language, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> sounds brutal. Is it literal? Most of the angles here is literal. When some scholars showed, expressed what they studied, there are only a few who would say that this is figurative. Uh, so there's one position, it's literal, emasculate. Castrate, if you don't like emasculate, castrate. Okay, or make themselves eunuchs. Okay, make themselves eunuchs. Uh, the other one is figurative, which is to cut themselves from the church. <clears throat> cut themselves from the community, which is, in practice, more of a, a within the context as well. Uh, and uh, what's my position? I think both are because sometimes as a writer, I have double meaning sometimes with one phrase. And Paul might have, as a master writer, as we know him to be, may have put in a double meaning here, meaning he wishes that, that they, would, he, they would be emasculated and at the same time they would be cut from the church. They should not be welcomed. So those who preach to you another gospel in this area, should I say it, Chairman? That I wish they would be emasculated? No, no, uh, so, <laughs> uh, I have to ask permission. It's too strong a word, okay? Uh, too strong a phrase. But, okay, let, let's not, no, no, let's erase that. Uh, I wish you would be careful who you have fellowship with when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to teaching. Be careful about the influences. Be careful what you watch on YouTube or on the radio. Don't be so welcoming like the Galatians. They welcomed everybody. Well, not everybody, literally the, the Judaizers. And I was, I was having fellowship with, uh, with the men. Well, not all, it's just two growth groups that that are dying to get out of town because that was their tradition before pandemic to go around places and breathe fresh air. So I got invited. When you see myself in a picture, please do not blame me for not inviting you. Here's the real deal. I never invite anybody. Okay, you get it? I get invited. It's a different thing. I get pulled. If you invited, invite me, I'll try to make room. I'll see my schedule. Uh, so, but during that time, it was a wonderful time uh, uh, of discussion uh, as well. And uh, we praise God for the fellowship of men. And I was sharing there that I'm happy that more and more are really more serious with, with the Holy Scriptures. 
in fact, reading through the Bible, and that's an amazing thing. And, uh, well, it's an expected thing, but an amazing thing. But as well as uh, people studying more of Scripture. And um, I would say to us, be careful. Be careful what you believe in and who you gather with. And to make sure that uh, you have a mind that practices context study and you have some sort of critical analysis. Okay. You know, the more you observe, you know, you go home that outline every Sunday. You try to dissect it line by line. You listen to the sermon again. You'll see that there's a certain way in a simple format. What did it say? What did it mean based on the context, historical and literary context? And how does it apply to us? You don't jump to application. You don't, don't jump to putting meaning on it without letting the author, without discovering what the author was saying. You don't jump into, I think this means this. Chill, man. But we have many today who give out careless statements, and if we are, forgive us and do correct us. But if you correct us, please also study so that you can correct us properly. But if it's just your own opinion, again, chill. Now, Paul defended the gospel that justification is by faith alone. He also tried to defend his calling and addressed specific issues. And this is one issue he addressed. If somebody's saying, I preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. The gospel can be offensive especially when we try to correct the little stuff, can hurt us. And then we can think that the accurate gospel is actually the false teaching. You know, that's a dangerous thing. When you're so used to how does a person is saved. When Jesus said, proclaim repentance to all the nations, and you thought it's proclaim acceptance to all the nations, then you have a second, well, if we explain that he is Lord Naman, then, then uh, so sure, explain it the lengthy way, that's acceptable. But he just said, proclaim this. The danger of being misinterpreted. And from warning the false teachers will bear the penalty. And he also wished that some become emasculated. Now, if you still are not careful with the gospel, I will not wish you to be emasculated. Amen? I'm just kidding. But if you're stubborn and you don't preach it expositionally, I might ask you to leave. Okay? I seldom do that, but I might. Because I take this thing very seriously. Application number one, give no space. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, which means a slight inaccuracy in the gospel can lead to a distorted gospel. Thus, we should give no space for any inaccuracy. We should always stand firm on what is revealed in Scripture. Why parrot teachers who do not clearly explain the meaning of Scripture? 
Why follow an evangelism pattern that is different from the way the Lord and his apostles evangelized? Why are we stubborn? Now, I'm not against creative ways of evangelism, but the content is the same. We cannot remove the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. We cannot remove what Jesus commanded us to do to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We cannot remove the doctrine that we are justified by faith alone. We are made righteous by faith alone. Whatever way we approach it, we end up there. We give no space, no space. When somebody says, repent and believe, yeah, they're saying repent and believe, and then follow after me. Some think it's borderline. Now, if it's, some say, if it's genuine from the heart, yeah, I would agree with that. But repeat after me, I would like, call on the Lord, man. Repent and believe right now. Why don't you just pray right now where you are? I mean, bring yourself low before the infinitely just and holy God. And say you're a sinner. Be ashamed of it. Because repeating a prayer, I'm a sinner. No, 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 no. There's no shame. We should be ashamed of the sin we've committed. And that we must preach to people. We must be ashamed. And we must feel the weight and the gravity of the consequence. Eternal damnation. The wrath of God satisfied as his love is satisfied for eternity. His justice needs eternity to be satisfied. Listen and listen well. The God of love is also the God of justice. No, no, but today's world, you start with, he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. Yeah, if you don't repent, his plan is hell forever. Lake of fire. That's the plan. But if you repent and believe, definitely, it's a wonderful plan. Share hope, but warn. Let us proclaim a gospel without distortions. Let us convince others to proclaim a gospel without distortions. Everyone must respect the gospel as revealed in Scripture. Otherwise, there is a penalty. Take note, as revealed in Scripture. Therefore, if we need to study or, or, or argue in a positive way, it's really how we study Scripture. This, look at this, and then look at this, and we see how it harmonizes together. It's not just look at this part of scripture and separate it from the rest. No, it's how do we harmonize the whole thing together and understand what salvation is. What is the penalty to believe in a distorted gospel is to be severed from the grace of God. It is to fall under the curse, therefore out of reverence. Let us declare the warning to all who proclaim the gospel or not well, another word for warning is to be cautious. The caution. We must preach the gospel. We must not be afraid to preach the gospel. But we must be careful that it must be accurate. Now, I hear some young people who takes the time, you know, the beauty of young people that become idealistic and study the scriptures. Now, they ask me, I'm going to live in Manila for a while to study now. What am I going to do? How do I look for 
Yeah, look for a Bible-believing church that preaches faithfully the scriptures. And that's the challenge. Because sometimes the popular megachurches aren't as careful. I'm not saying all. Let us defend the gospel and justification and righteousness are through faith alone. And push back as hard as we can against all who disturb the faith of many. Let us pray that they lose the energy. The false teachers or those who doesn't look like false teacher but seems to be a part. But they're not that accurate. Let us pray that they lose the energy to proclaim the wrong gospel. And they will have the energy to proclaim, proclaim the proper, the accurate gospel of Christ. Let us defend our church community. No, let's also defend all preachers who faithfully preach the pure gospel, if needed. If needed. Well, we don't need to defend ourselves, but if people put words in our mouths, Sabini Pastor Ed, now you verify with me if I really said that. Dr. Steve said, Doc, advance. Pastor Eddie said, <laughs> be careful with putting words in their mouths. Now, if we were wrong, if we did say that, then we have to correct ourselves it's wrong, if it's wrong. But if not, let us not. On the other hand, let us expose those who preach carelessly and warn fellow believers to avoid them. Yes, to avoid them, to emasculate themselves. Does it matter? Yes, it matters. I give you right now a piece of poetry saying, yes, it matters. A little leaven leavens it up. Imagine God's wrath in a cup poured out to those severed from grace. False teachers the curse shall embrace. Be careful with your point of view and the teachings that you pursue. Does it matter? Yes, it matters. One builds, another one scatters. We build on the gospel alone, faith only in Christ who atones. Never about earning our way, which will only lead to decay. We pray and hope with confidence from his sovereign providence that those who hear this will adapt and not fall into any trap. Let us all rise and let us pray. Yes, it matters, Lord, that we believe in the gospel as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Oh, may we never take lightly the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. For without it, there is no Christianity, there is no redemption, there is no justification, there is no righteousness. Christ is the center of all. And that we must proclaim. And yet we must also proclaim what He commanded us, that repentance, a change of mind. Repentance, metanoia, a change of perspective should be proclaimed to all the nations. A change of perspective regarding our justification, redemption, salvation, and sin, a change of mind for the forgiveness of sins. 
may we see the value that we learn the gospel and to teach the gospel to others. To the young, to the old, to everyone, to man, woman, and child, to every person that we are given the opportunity to, that we may proclaim and teach the gospel. May we have the same heart and concern that Paul, your servant, had taking care of those whom he proclaimed to, protecting them from the wolves, from those who are unwilling to adapt, unwilling to understand the gospel, those who would like to add a little more and a little more and a little more. Make us purists. In this area, yes, in some parts of practical Christian living, we may defer in some areas, but in this aspect, it is revealed and we will defend it. Even if we are persecuted, both by so-called fellow believers or not, we will defend, we will proclaim. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, God bless you. Good morning.